0: Welcome to Paytech Talk, the podcast about payments. Today on the show we have Connie Dorestein, founding partner of Bankify, and Gaston Ausems, former CEO of Mali. Welcome. Would you like to give us a short introduction of yourselves and what you're up to?
1: Well, I'm happy to kick off because I think that the fun today is that, uh, you know, Gaston and I have a very, uh, not only a shared passion payments, but we have a shared background. And we were colleagues at Clear to Pay, which was then acquired by FIS. And after that, we both each went our own way. Um, But at the same time, we stayed in the same domain because uh, Gaston, he will explain much more about it, went to Molly, which (laughs) serves the SME community. Um, and I uh, co-founded Bankify together with my old colleague, Mark Hartley. And uh, we basically offer embedded banking for an SME community, but through the bank. So anything they need from accounting to tax to payments, receivables. And so the, the small entrepreneur and payments is something we have in common, I think. Castle. Yes.
2: Uh, thank you, Connie. Well, I, I think what, uh, what Connie says illustrates also the... Uh, the breadth of the domain where you can, you know, you can you can work mm-hmm. in, in various capacities and for all kind of communities. But the uh, the whole transactional and payments domain is, is is fascinating. It's fast evolving, and it's something that uh, is keeping me uh, fascinated already for the past two decades.
0: Oh, okay,
2: great. So what are you up to now, Gaston? Well, after uh, I left uh, Molly last uh, year, September, um, I'm doing various advisory and uh, supervisory roles, so um, for established organizations, but also uh, for for startups. And uh, there's a lot happening in the domain, and there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurship that uh, I hope to to be able to bring some of my experience and uh, that I gained from Molly from Molly <laughs> into uh, into the game. Oh, that sounds great. So just to, yeah.
0: just to warm us up a bit today, uh, I've picked a couple news items we can uh, discuss. Uh, and I saw that this morning, Vacom uh, has spun off its Vacom financial division into uh, Tinka, a sort of a buy now, pay later uh, uh, outfit. And uh, as well, that's over here in, in the U.S., uh, Venmo has started charging consumers for uh, if they sell goods and services on their uh, on their app. So a bit of movement in the payment space over the last couple of days.
1: Yeah. You know, I know that stuff like buy now, pay later is very, uh, you know, hot and fashionable, particularly with investors. But I, um, I'm a bit more than just a payment guru. I always like to sort of <laughs> see myself as a custodian towards the future. And I'm not particularly happy with buy now, pay later schemes. I don't think they liberate people. I don't think they empower them. I think they uh, inevitably will push most of those people into more debt. So, um, not a great fan. I'm sorry. Oh,
0: okay. there's no problem. No,
2: <laughs> it's well. As far as that is concerned, you see various open banking initiatives, with, which give people a better insight into their finance and their overall right. financial position and health. Yeah. So there are uh, there are various uh, well technologies emerging that will uh, in on both sides. So it's uh, it puts also more responsibility on the uh, uh, with the consumers, but yeah. it's... Um,
1: we could do we could do better than pay by now pay later. Okay, <laughs> well maybe that's
2: a
0: that's a that's a topic for another episode of uh, the PayTech Talk. Uh, so, what we're going to talk about today is uh, just to have a little chat about the forces driving innovation in payments. So, you could both can answer this. Uh, what do you consider the current drivers for chains in the payments landscape?
2: Well, there's, I think there's. there are an, an, a number of, uh, of, of drivers. There's, there's really a lot going. Everyone is obviously uh, reading in the media about uh, compliance, about uh, transaction monitoring, KYC. That's a very important element of what's happening in payments. Um, but I think there are much more fundamental um, uh, technologies that are also emerging because I think we've been digitizing a lot of the um, existing payment instruments and p- okay. possibilities, but I think it's more or less reaching the end of, of its evolution and I think really if you really want to make a, a giant step towards uh, a real new digital and maybe also global economy you'll probably have to uh, to, ad- to really adopt some new technologies in, th- in the core of, of yeah. the payment processing and um, uh, infrastructure.
1: Yeah and Gaston as we were preparing for this I was talking to you about the fact that uh, we had a chat with our other great common friend Dave Burge and he sort of put it in the three big Bs. Okay. And so we were talking about, you know, I think one of the um, uh, uh, prevalent uh, technologies will be blockchain. So, and with that, you know, for the discussion, Gaston and I mean anything DLT and anything okay. DeFi. Okay, quite broad. And then the other B would be sort of uh, biometrics, something that we really feel, you know, is, is essential. And that is basically anything... Identity and device, and um, Gaston knows much more about that. than <laughs> I do. And, um, and bots, so anything really, artificial intelligence, machine learning, data, and that has an additional angle to me that excites me, which is where it really makes, where robots actually make financial services more human. But we'll come to talk about oh. that. But maybe, you know, uh, Gaston, uh, at Gaston, we talked about the blockchain thing. Uh, on the infrastructure side, you said already much that we've done has been digitizing existing processes and blo- what blockchain i think forces us to do is to think differently about the not just the processes but also the links and the players in the chain
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's no, true absolutely true. i i don't want to marginalize uh, innovations like instant payments and so but but in the end okay. i think a lot of the innovation took also place in in the last mile towards the consumer towards the uh, the merchant and the uh, the processing infrastructures behind that uh, have been uh, you know relatively the same based on you know, clearing and settlement infrastructures. So I think if you really move towards a, a really a blockchain or a digital currency or DLT, I, I don't know how you want to call it, um, but I think that that can really provide a, a much more efficient, um, even global. A transaction infrastructure but it it does require a step from everyone in the community not only from in the, the banking and the payments community but also in the in the DLT community I think we have to step away from the more dogmatic maybe even almost religious religious uh, religious yeah. belief in in, in um, that it has to be that there cannot be a central authority I mean mm-hmm. there's there are economic actors there are monetary authorities and all of them have their own requirements and within that framework and those those um, um, yeah, th- those requirements that they have, you have to uh, to use um, t- t- to use the the blockchain technology to really uh, set up a whole new uh, new infrastructure, which is stable, not really focused on speculation, but it's probably packed to uh, to an, an existing currency. The supply of money can more or less be, uh, yeah. be be controlled. There's a fast transaction execution, and the anonymity factor, which <laughs> uh, well, you know could be important in certain contexts but in general there's also a um, you know it's, it's it has tension with the whole um, transaction monitoring yeah. KYC that's what we come to talk about later as well but that should be also you know if, if we if we're not that dogmatic about that there's so many advantages and cost savings and um, and also I think it also will, it will greatly improve the whole user experience for everyone yeah. transacting online
1: yeah and I think th- what really excites me about blockchain, and people often ask me, like, oh, oh, uh, blockchain, do I have to buy Bitcoin? And I said, you've got to think <laughs> about this differently. I mean, think about the gold rush in America, which was a, a giant step forward for the development of that country. And then I said to people, would you, would, you, would you invest in a gold pit, you know, with high risk, but somebody owns it, and if you strike lucky, it's big? Or in the shovels, you know, mm-hmm. the people who right. sort of, you know, uh, the, 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 the tools? or in the railroads that carry the gold. And I think that's how we should look at the whole blockchain sort of infrastructure and the whole crypto uh, domain. We're at the cusp of a new era. And so it is high risk. Uh, It is, uh, you have to have a very experimental sort of attitude towards it. But also, and I think that's most importantly, you have to read the zeitgeist. If you look around you, it is inevitable that we will go to a more decentralized way of looking at things. Because, you know, wealth is not spread evenly. We get, uh, you know, we get very political, uh, unbalanced... um, elements in society which is not good for anybody where you start to discuss the ethics of innovation so i think it's an inevitability and so i don't care whether people believe in bitcoin or not uh, it's not a bible uh, they're there so you better prepare for it uh, what i think is interesting is to focus on the infrastructure because i think no matter which gold pit will hit gold or mm-hmm. which shovel shovels are easily replaced the infrastructure <laughs> is going to make the difference and to Guston's point, I'm a great believer of, you know, leaving the zealot element behind. Um, if you look at central bank digital currencies, and the Bank of England wrote an absolutely outstanding paper that I can recommend everybody should read, and they say, you know, it's really uh, simple, we're going to a new uh, system, we will record stock and supply, we will sort of do a lot of the processing, we will record the transactions, but you know the payment interface provider who comes on top of that sits Mm -hmm. between that and the solution provider they're going to have to deal with all the technology and the stuff and you know if you look at what china's doing if they precisely yeah if if china takes all of their international trade out of the dollar and into a digital currency the dollar gets a 30 percent volume hit so i think it's just common sense to prepare for this and look at the opportunities
2: absolutely and and (laughs) I think we should really look at the steps that we can make. I mean, if we start um, aiming for a global digital currency, I mean, with the, the powers that be in, in the world, that I don't think that's feasible. So, um, you know, China, you know, the US and probably Europe, you know, if they already start, would be able to set up a whole digital currency and you would have instant conversion possibilities and, and facilitate global trade there. I think that would be an enormous step forwards uh, uh, already. So we have to make steps. We have to not stick to the old dogmas, uh, which are which are now also keeping the 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 cryptocurrency that we have the way they are, as as Connie also illustrates. I mean, they they stay speculative. They stay in a certain you know. They they have a certain. uh, I I wouldn't sort of money laundering kind of uh, image still to yeah. them but especially within central banks um, and we should step away from that look at the technology look how we can yeah. use that look at how it can really be applied in um, in a very broad context and then we can uh, can really make step steps yeah. forwards and that, that would be and to Gosselin's
1: point, not fall into new dogmas either. You don't have to be a zealot to embrace new technology. It's the same as with food. You, know, you, can, you can just go out, take to the streets and say everybody should be a vegetarian and never <laughs> have leather shoes again. <laughs> you know, it would be much better for the world if everybody would just only eat meat twice a week. So I'm a very pragmatic individual and I think that is um, very important. Mm. And the one thing I would say you know, to my point where I was maybe a bit critical about buy now, pay later the the access that we can grant to the last mile, the last person on this planet right. with new technologies is massive. You know, I know of f- schemes where farmers in Latin America get access to funding through mm-hmm. uh, a, ah. a blockchain scheme. Whereas if it would have to go through a bank and in certain parts of the world those are run by corrupt individuals or by systems that do not work simply because of, you know, the levels of administration um you know then i think we are doing something really good so i'm very open minded
0: okay. yeah now that, that inclusion part's a big part of the technology as well and yeah. you're Gaston i believe you're on the board of okay oiko credit yes. oiko credit <laughs> <laughs> recently yes yeah, that's, that's exactly what they they do if i'm not
2: i'm very excited I'm about uh, that it's it's an impact investor who at least uh, who who tries to to um to improve people's life uh, by uh, by enabling to uh, enabling them to um yeah, to, uh, to uh, start the entrepreneurship. And technology can also play an important role right. in that, absolutely. Yeah,
0: for yeah. smallholder farmers any, anywhere in the world. Uh, yeah, it's ah. it's
2: massive. And and you see that the infrastructures in terms of mobile, et cetera, are, right. are in place, while the financial infrastructure in uh, in certain countries are, are just uh, not there yet. So we should really embrace those kind of technologies and uh, and use them uh, to, uh, to help people improve their lives.
0: Oh, oh. that's great. Uh, moving on to the second B, I believe, was biometrics. Yeah, uh, and
2: it's it's yeah. Well, it's it's actually it's 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 a very, biometrics. Is, it's quite a we see it in a very broad context. It's it's identity. It's it's security. It's compliance, and it also relates very much to um, to to the blockchain um, because basically once you start uh, really moving towards different technologies for your payment and transaction processing you can also embed much more uh, identity components um, and then uh, while doing that um, you you can really reach enormous efficiencies While now you are doing the transaction processing in the old way you have like separate basically identity management you do separate transaction monitoring Correct. yeah if you if you integrate everything into one uh, more holistic transactional system where every transaction can also be traced back to where does it come from, who did it, um, then the, your whole compliance, your whole KYC, your whole uh, transaction monitoring, something which is now, you know, it, it's costing billions literally in terms of investments which are done around the world by financial institutions. And are not
1: m- particularly successful. And not <laughs> especially
2: <stressed laughs> if you see the kind of uh, the amounts of, of, of actual uh, laundered money which is traced down by that. It's... It's, it's a not fraction. a very good business case. Yeah. So, so uh, I don't want to say that it shouldn't be done, but it can be done in, in such a much more efficient manner. But then you have to really move towards um, an ecosystem where everything is much more integrated. And the technology yeah. is there, especially on the last mile. I mean, I, I read about startups who can, basically with technology, the way you hold your phone, like the way you tilt it, which is very, yeah. very um, personal. Uh, Personal, depending right. on your height and stuff, so you can you can see already there like who is that? Uh, right. D- your IP, the location, the type of device, uh, you know where you shop, what you mm-hmm. do. I mean, if how you combine you all those factors, mm-hmm. how you type, yeah. how fast you type, uh, the language you use, you I mean, all those kind of factors, you can almost you know 100% uniquely identify who's who's making the, those transactions. So why you still have to use all kind of authenticators and tools and and, and uh, separate tokens? To, to prove who you are basically that should not necessarily not not be necessary and and if you can also integrate that into the whole transaction flow then um, life will become a lot easier for a lot of people o- obviously it comes back to the dogmas the anonymity as well that we discussed right of blockchain. course the
0: data privacy concerns sure is
2: that has to be all taken care of and uh, solutions have to be devised around that as well but i think now it's a missed opportunity that we don't use that sufficiently in the uh,
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing is that people are very uh, disgruntled often by the user experience around the whole KYC and identity aspects. Mm -hmm. And we all have come to sort of accept that, well, you know, we have to do this because the banks require it to keep us safe. Um, But outside sort of the payments uh, halo, you know, uh, ordinary people uh, who are not in our space don't really understand why you have to tell the bank 16 times Everything about yourself that he already knows or that they can find out and I think that you know This is uh, part of what we talked about with blockchain. We've got to start lifting elements of uh, uh, that were previously always linked to a transaction or a payment type almost uh, separate mm-hmm. uh, KYC for your credit cards, separate for your, uh, your debit payments. You've, we've got to sort of get rid of that. And um, it will help uh, the, the, the banks and the payments providers spend less money on silly stuff. But it will also help us as customers because we will get more trust in the system. And then the other thing that I really enjoy about the whole um, biometric space and um, is that I hope it will enable us to work towards a new uh, future around identity. Because until now, I had to talk to, we were talking about the gusp of, of change. Identity was sort of a privilege given to you by birth in a passport and uh, determined on a certificate. And mm-hmm. we all remember the mayhem over Obama's birth certificate, which <laughs> of course was <laughs> shameful ridiculous. beyond belief. Um But I think that if you look at people around you, you, we do not identify people we trust or people we want to hang out with by where they were born or when they were born or the certificate. (laughs) And I hope, exactly, I hope that with biometrics, we can almost build a digital identity over time that through our actions, I build up a profile of trust and security and who I am rather than by my. KYC passport number fact check. Uh, okay. I see so you it's nodding. So <laughs> much more sorry.
0: equitable instead of just <laughs> stereotypes. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, as further to that point, also you see that many discussions are like uh, the safer we make it, the less user friendly it becomes. So we have to find a balance. But, but I think that's an old paradigm. We should really, you know, I think <laughs> if, if you if you really use new technology, you can the, the facilitating the user journey um, and having it fully secure can be just hand in hand. It can be can and should be the same thing because once I can establish who you are, I don't have to just do all kind of other checks anymore. So, I find that that that, that trade-off that's being made now uh, is really something of the past. But it does require us to embrace, uh, to let go of some of the older um, uh, way of thinking and really embrace the technologies that that is there. I mean, I find it, for example, if you look very practically at, at here, in, uh, if I use Ideal, for example, and that's I, example. I mean, I've had the discussions with banks as well if i make the if i make from the same device the same sort of payment to Mm -hmm. the same shop um, every week then i still have to somehow prove that i'm you have to authenticate yeah which is kind of interesting because (laughs) it would be relatively simple to determine so if you look at really product enhancements there as well you can just uh, skip um, the whole authentication in in many occasions Um,
0: doesn't psd2 do that Uh, some of the uh some of the uh, some, some of the rules for that, it's like if some under certain rules. amounts and
2: uh, yeah, some rules facilitate that it. that you can can indeed do that, but that's uh, only applied in a limited um, context. And
1: I- so. exactly, and weirdly enough, I experience more trust and security if I get an every now and then a check rather than that I every time I do the um, automatic thing. So uh, the other day I was abroad and I got a, a little text and said. Oh, Connie, you've just been using this card here. Is that mm. correct? And that makes me much more aware and feel more trusted than if I would just type in the same number wherever I go. Every time. This so trust is also an experience. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that routine hmm. of typing in codes, um, it, it, it is also, I think it's also more prone to to fraud and to phishing. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's you know, a routine that also someone else can take over. Yeah. So we should be much more intelligent than in that, and much more use the data and uh, information that is at hand to um, to help users okay. and help the safety of the uh, the system.
1: You're the perfect bridge builder, Gaston. <laughs> We're going to into bots. you know data, artificial intelligence. He's a bridge builder, isn't he? Uh,
0: very much so. <laughs> very much so. So the the third B is bots.
1: Yeah, and I know bots, you know, it had to be a B. But um, <laughs> what most excites me about um, everything that's been happening in my 25-plus career, uh, but particularly in the last few years, is the relevance bit. And that was around open banking. That's what we did at our previous company. I'm immensely proud of uh, what uh, my colleague Mark and what we do with Bankify. And I think, again, the relevance is the key thing, and the artificial intelligence and if you're able, for instance, as we do, to sort of just look through under open banking, which basically mm-hmm. the regulation is there, so use it. And you look at accounts, you look at, counts, you look at receivables. You, you can think of different ways of doing things. And you can, as a bank then, you can say, you know what? I'm not going to invite this person in to sit down with me and go through a laborious credit you know, s- system. But I just look at... Whoever he sends an invoice to, what he gets paid, how soon he gets paid, and then I see that he will, he or she, a small trader, has a cash flow gap for whatever, 15k for five days. If you're an imaginative bank, you can start building products that say, I give you 15 days credit, or we do factoring on your best invoices. And you know, that is what the world needs and what people want. And so uh, the one thing I always say about open banking, we've got to step out of our own silos. An entrepreneur wants to save money and time, and if you're right. relevant, they will embrace what you do. And then the whole debate whether new banks or old banks or uh, whoever wins becomes totally irrelevant. It's about how smart you are at, adop- at, at uh, you know adopting artificial intelligence. Not just technical artificial intelligence, but also apply some new intelligence in your own organization, right. and I think uh, you know relevance is the key to uh, the delivery of AI. And that really excites me.
2: Absolutely, and I, d- I don't <coughs> think it's rocket science actually. Yeah, and that's because I'm a little bit amazed that it's it's not applied, um, mm-hmm. that the full potential of the data is just simply not used. I mean, further to what Connie is saying that come from the SME space then I mean you, it, it's relatively easy to to look at an SME at, at the, the transactions that they process and also if you then also include for example their outgoing payment flow that you can before the entrepreneur himself or herself uh, has identified it you can you can already say look, I see you run into a cash deficit in a couple of months' time, and and I looked at your 24 months of processing and yeah. also the people that do pay you, and I have here a pre-approved credit line to cover you for the coming right. months. Just click here and have it done. Yeah. And that makes
0: the decision that much easier and more yeah. convenient.
2: And I see too, too little of that. I mean, I see a lot of, of usage of data and AI a lot in in the back office as well or in the in the the customer servicing bit, but really in the um, the more commercial uh, client offerings, I. Mm. I find that, that there's much more that can be done with the current availability of data as well as the AI technology which is yeah. uh, which is available.
1: But also, if you d- then sort of look at what true robots, et cetera, can do, one angle that I was not enough aware of, I think, you know, we, we if you look at the whole war for talent debate, and, you know, it's very hard for a financial services firm Absolutely. to hire the best data scientists because they're not the most sexy employer. <laughs> um, uh, and... Um, And so we worry that if we go too much into the robotic space, people will lose jobs or will get mundane jobs. And in fact, the opposite is true. Uh, And if you look, uh, for instance, what I think it's called Cordana or Cordana, whatever, what Microsoft does, they give you hints. Mm -hmm. So there are beautiful robots now that look at the work of people in service organizations. And they say, you know, you can do this faster if you use uh, my uh, robotic process automation for this. And so people, I have spoken to people over the last few weeks uh, in insurance uh, industry who actually find that their job's becoming more fun and more, ch- more, more exciting because the robot, not only sort of the, yeah. their boss doesn't tell them to put these processes on robots, the robot teaches them by looking at how they behave, how they spend time with their customers and says, you know, Connie, I know you're this type of personality, why don't I do this for you? And then you free up yourself for real conversations right. with people in need.
0: More high-level tasks.
1: I had never thought about that. but So it, it actually makes financial services more human.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> it, uh, when I graduated from university, uh, I did a uh, computer science uh, education. Then the whole automation in the back office was coming up, and also everyone was saying we're all losing jobs. Like to right. uh, the steam take over. steam engines were coming, everyone. So I, d- I don't <laughs> understand. Everyone has this, this topical kind of uh, you know view of the world, right. like you know. But but we should embrace technology and just improve our lives with it, and not always think that technology is there to rule us out and to just make uh, the human right. beings obsolete.
0: One M- become M- M- Terminator or. Uh um, uh, that yeah, that Will Smith movie.
2: Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, the use of AI in uh, in warfare—that's that's another topic. I don't <laughs> 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 but, but in general, I think. But it, I think it's you know, we should really embrace technology to improve our lives, and that's a very simple statement. But it's it's very difficult sometimes to let go of everything we know and the way we work, and to not see things as a threat because technology does move fast. We cannot always uh, comprehend what it means and the implications of life. But I think. Um, it, it it is it is really out there. We should we should use it and we should use it wisely. Yeah, and then we can uh, we can improve society by. Creating. And
1: and it's not just for sort of the highly skilled jobs and the top end, you know, because th- that's what worries me a lot is that we always talk about you know academically profiled jobs, whereas right. you know
0: knowledge workers.
1: Society runs for ninety percent. Um, right the mid-level and all of the work we do there and I was very intrigued because I think there's this beautiful marathon interview that did on the radio uh, this summer and they had a lady on who was the head of AI I think a Dutch lady at um, okay. Wharton or anyway in America oh. mm-hmm. and she made a beautiful bold statement and she said well soon I have robots go to the moon and folding tea towels <laughs> and you know and that really expresses you know that anything to do with real care with empathy, and with creativity. Uh, you know, they're human skills. There right. is no way you it's can our teach domain. that to, uh, and so we should improve that domain um, rather than trying to turn ourselves into robots.
0: That's a very good point. Absolutely. Yeah. It frees up our time for the, the creative tasks that make us uniquely humans.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or uh, allow ourselves a little bit more time in life instead of being always rushed, and spend that on uh, on care, family, and each other. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess that's what it all comes down to uh, when we're talking about uh, this tech in payments is making things easier and safer and faster. Yeah, for
1: consumers, it's the businesses. It's yeah. all moving up the food chain because we're talking today about payments, but really what we're talking about is digital commerce and digital services yeah. uh, so the, the payment used to be our domain by the time we depart from this planet and I hope it's a long time coming um, I hope the word doesn't even exist anymore it's just part of a process flow of something we do
2: true but it's I mean we have to recognize also that it's a very vast uh, ecosystem with central banks with banks the payment mm-hmm. service providers with e-commerce companies with the consumer also so it's Know, we have to make steps, but it's um, it it will be uh, it will still take quite a while to um, to really um, you know progress with, with yeah. where we are from now. It's it's uh, it's I think one of I mean it's probably also why uh, both Connie and I already are working this long and uh, fascinated this long by this industry. It's it's complicated. It's um, uh, there's a lot of actors involved. Yeah. a lot of interest, and um, we have to find a way to just align on the fact that there's just a bigger and better future ahead of us if we all look a little bit beyond our own um, uh, interest and really embrace um, the future.
1: Yeah. And to Guston's point, I'm really with him, you know, stop being religious or a zealot on either side of the front. It doesn't bring anything. It just drives you further apart. Uh, you know we're realists we live in a world that has very pressing issues so uh, let's work together and I think there's a massive role to play for banks as we know them today the only thing is as we know them today they have to think differently than as they have done for the last Mm -hmm. 50 years but they they have the trust they have the customer base if they're smart and they start they they change their thinking they can be massively relevant because nobody cares how it gets to them as long as it's wrapped up in one good service through one point of view No one wants to get lost in an app jungle on his own iPhone.
0: Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to Paytech Talk, the podcast about payments. Produced by Cognito Media Amsterdam. Thanks for listening.